Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, welcome, my name is Rachel and this is Mark. Hello. And uh, we are, we are in the sermon slot today. Essentially, I get to interview Mark about all the wisdom he has on stuff. But before we get there, I feel like there's an important family business we need to talk about, which is who watched Eurovision last night? So Eurovision happened last night. And in case you don't know, last year we came in nil point. We got no points whatsoever. This year came in second, everybody. Just so you know. And because I'm all about inclusion, who watched the football last night? Yay! And who is happy? Who is sad and in grief? Nobody. Oh, ouch. Fine. I know where we stand. So anyways, just just family business out of the way, because I knew it was all weighing on our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) This man did not watch Eurovision last night, and yet we still can come and share the gospel, because (laughs) Christ is about unity. It's about unity. Football, Eurovision, and yet together we can speak about him. Uh, right. So uh, we are going through the book of 1 John. And uh, John was writing to his friends. And what I always love, I love reading the letters because it sort of feels like we're like looking in on somebody else's personal correspondence and it makes me happy. And I love imagining who he was writing to and why. And First John is filled with lots of hard-hitting stuff. He talks about sin. He talks about obedience. He talks about some some stuff. And I sometimes get a bit stressed about it because it's like high pressure, John. Thanks. Uh, And when I look at 1 John, I find it fascinating because he says why he's writing. I'm very bad in emails when I'm typing. And I'm just like, hi. And then you have the awkwardy bit at the beginning where you're like, just wanted to get in touch because. Uh, And John did this three times in this book. And the reason he wrote this book was not, I'm just writing this letter to you to make you feel guilty and stressed about life and God. He wrote for three reasons to bring us the fullness of joy in Christ, he says in the first chapter. In the second chapter, he says he's writing it so we can experience freedom from sin and freedom and victory over what what holds us back. And in chapter five, he says, I'm writing so that you cannot be stressed about this and feel safety and God's, God's holding of you for all eternity. He's writing to free us and release us into joy, freedom, and assurance. And so in that context, we're going to be talking today about something really interesting about the idea of obedience. Last week, we were talking about sin. All of this is in the context of, of John wanting to talk to us about freedom, joy, and uh, assurance. And so we're going to read the scripture that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to read it from there because my Bible is small. Uh, so he's writing in the middle. This is chapter two. We're following on from last week. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. I know. Seriously, like he is not pulling punches as John. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is true truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. 
Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children. Who's children in here? Just checking. Yep, there's, there's a parts of the Bible written directly to you. <laughs> because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world. Or anything in the world. I don't know if Eurovision counts. <laughs> if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires whew, pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So, Mark. <laughs> Mark did loads of research and writing, and we've been talking all week about this. And, uh, and I find this, this whole thing really um, hard to wrap my brain around, because when it comes to the, the idea of obedience, we often have a very specific view of what that means. Because some of us had childhoods where we were told to obey. Obeying is a big thing. What does this mean to obey in the context of this letter that's saying it's all about joy and freedom and and assurance so talk to me talk to me teach me what is the nature of obedience when we're talking about living like jesus yeah i think uh, that's great thanks rachel good morning everybody it's lovely to see you um yeah i think what we're talking about here is you know formation that's the heart of what the whole of one john is about is forming something and uh, these hard-hitting sort of almost staccato phrases sort of strike you so so strongly uh, but actually there's a real key verse here for us isn't there uh, which in what Rachel read in verse 5 it says but if anyone obeys his word God's love is truly made complete in him and of course the thrust of this morning is living like Jesus so to live like Jesus we need to be like Jesus and I I was reminded when we read this, you know, Jesus said, didn't he? He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And, you know, we looked at Gethsemane, didn't we, a few weeks ago, and that incredible passage where Jesus says, but not my will, yours be done. So Jesus perfectly follows and obeys the Father's plan. But in this verse, we can get the wrong end of the stick because if we read it slightly wrongly, 
about his love is truly made complete, we can think somehow that the level of my obedience equals the amount that God loves me. So if I obey God more, he's going to love me more. And that isn't what John is actually saying. What John is doing is something very powerful here. He's linking love with obedience. Why do we obey God is a really good question. Because actually we can obey God from fear. I'm obeying God just in case if I get it wrong, I'm done. I'm fried. I'm toast. I'm gone. And we can live like that. What is God some holy policeman looking over our lives, waiting to see if we get it wrong? You know, sometimes uh, we, 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 we obey out of duty. And, and duty means work. <laughs> and work equals grind, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and, and if we are obeying God out of duty, what that produces in us is a bitter spirit. We are very bitter. We get very ground down, and then we become resentful. And do you know where that leads you? That leads you into legalism. That leads you into death. So what is this this about? It is about knowing that he has loved me first, so I love him. And Jesus said some things, and John's not making this up. He got this from Jesus. If you look in John 14, Jesus said two incredible things. One thing he said was this, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So Jesus linked love with obedience. And then Jesus said this. He said, um, I do as the Father commanded me so that the world may know what? so that the world might know that I love him. So our obedience is our opportunity to express love. Love is the most powerful force, or not just love, God's love is the most powerful force in the universe. And when we get that in our hearts, it becomes our motivation for obedience. So, so that's why I think obedience is a great thing, because it's my opportunity to willingly, freely, and lovingly express my love. And Jesus modeled that. So if I want to be like Jesus, actually, my obedience has got to come from a place of love, not duty or fear. Mm. So does that, does that help oh, you does. a little bit? It does. It makes me think of, of, um, of how I used to have this woman who was like the dean of theology at the theological college I went to, Sherry mm. Benvenuti. And she was amazing. And I loved her so much. And she was like, kind. she just like resonated Jesus. And she was so kind. And she would, she would tell us to do things, not in a like, you should do things, but she would be like, I just pray every morning um, when I get up before I get dressed, because I feel like that's the time. And that's how I start my day. And I loved her so much. And I wanted to be like her so much that I would, I would do it. Yes. It wasn't that she ever looked at me and said, you must do this. And I'm like, yes, I will obey you, <laughs> Sherry Benvenuti. Uh, she would say, this is, this is how I love God, and this is how I do what I do in my life. And I wanted to listen to her words and be like her. And so, therefore, I obeyed what she said because it came out of my love for her and how she lived yeah, life. Right. And that's, that's how I've begun to see obedience to Christ. I want to be like him, so I want to listen to all of his words, not just his do's and don'ts, but to how he views people and how he loves God and, and that sense of, of wanting to resonate with him because I love him so much. I want to be just like him. It, 
Yeah. It stopped being about his commands and me saying yes or no, and more about the love just wanting yeah. you to pull him so close. Very, very good. So we're going to focus on this verse, verse 6, which says, whoever claims to live in him, oh no, it's gone. Back to verse 6, the one that was up there. <laughs> That's verse 6. <laughs> Didn't write it on it, did I? <laughs> whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. That's, that's where we are. Uh, that's where we're, we're, we're headed. But let's just look at that end bit. Live as Jesus did. And you were starting to touch on that. So what does it mean? Perhaps you guys can help us. In your mind, when you hear live like Jesus, youngsters, uh, adults, what does it mean to you to live like Jesus? Shout some things out. What does it mean to live like Jesus? Heal the sick. Good one. Nice. What else? Yes. Got a shout. Love your neighbors. neighbors Good. Yes. Pray for your animals. Miracles. Great. Yeah, go for that. Ooh, when you revile, when you are reviled, revile not again. Ooh. I like yes. it. Revile. So when when someone is is cruel and harsh and derogatory to you, you do not give that back. Anything else? Quickly. Love the unlovable. Spending time with God. What well Forgive. Yeah. Make friends. Listen to Father. Don't forget the poor. Yeah. Love it. What do you think about those, Rachel? Yeah, well, it begins to feel overwhelming, doesn't it? <laughs> I love it because it is, it's about it's about the internalness of, of 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 his character and it's about how he responds to people, and it's about the living the miraculous life of like. You know, I love when it says that you can do, you know, greater than I've done. And I'm like, I don't even think I could do like a 98th of what you've done, much less like more. Uh, and it's, it's this sense of, of the more I want to be like him, the more I see him fully. I want to pursue a life for him. And it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around. How do you even begin to approach yeah. all of that? Yeah, I think, I think almost everyone in the room who loves Jesus has prayed that prayer, haven't they? I want to be like Jesus. Uh, or, or something catches your mind, doesn't it? So someone mentioned love, you know, oh, I just need to love more. You know, that's part of Jesus' nature. Or, or, or perhaps we've been in a meeting and God challenges us about something that's not right inside. And, and we say, Lord Jesus, I just want to be sinless like you. Dave Kai said, you know, we're not sinless, but we do sin less. And I think that's, and I hope that's our, our, our reality. So it's about his character, miracles, and healings. That's about Jesus' power and authority. Uh, Carol, you mentioned the Father. You know, we 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 want to have the same relationship. I want to have the same relationship that Jesus had with Father God and with the Holy Spirit. That we we want that as well. Uh, and there's one aspect of Jesus that perhaps none of us want, but actually is there as well. Paul writes about fellowshipping with his suffering, which is interesting, David, what you raised this morning. No one's putting their hand up saying, I want to be like Jesus in his suffering. But that's part of being uh, like Jesus. 
So how does that make you feel in one word? You know, uh, <laughs> in two words. I, I do not accept your boundary. Uh, over, <laughs> I think I feel overwhelmed, but I think I also feel an intense yeah. uh, call to comparison that I'm constantly saying I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not. So, so my, my failures make me beat myself up over that. So it's like, I need to live like Christ and I'm terrible at it. And so for me, it invites a, a sense of self-judgment on, on me that I find overwhelming really sometimes. Yeah, very, very helpful. Can we just go to the next slide, Susio? Because I think we want to look at this really as practically as we can. So we're going to look at the greatest challenge. What is the greatest key that is in this verse? And then the greatest wonder. And I hope in that we will see how we can all uh, throw off, actually, some of that condemnation that we can mm -hmm. feel um, when we don't, we don't match up. So growing to be like Jesus is the greatest challenge. Let me read you what Paul says about growing to be like Jesus. He wrote this to the Galatians who were a bit of a difficult group. They got <laughs> themselves into trouble. They weren't living like Jesus at all. He says this, I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Wow. And he's a guy. And, uh, yeah. and, and I don't think he had children. So no. all of those in the room who've had children, you have some greater understanding than any of us guys in the room of what it is to be in anguish of childbirth till Christ is formed in you. This shows you this is a tough call. You want to be a leader in the church. This is what you're called to, to shaping, forming Christ. In fact, we're all called to form Christ in, in one another. So that's crazy. And so condemnation is, is this what is written here to condemn us. Well, there is no condemnation for those that believe in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. So John can't be writing this to condemn us. Perhaps he's writing it to encourage us to what can be rather than what is not. And so we need to throw off that whole thing of, of condemnation. And I agree with you, Rachel. Our default is to feel bad about ourselves when we don't, we don't measure up. We, we, we tell ourselves, don't we, to try harder. And who, who knows that trying harder in the Christian life is the route to failure? <laughs> who, who knows that? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's worse than New Year's resolutions. <laughs> we, we, we just, we, we try and, and, and if it's chocolate, you last till the 2nd of January if you're lucky, <laughs> don't you? It, it just doesn't work. And so this isn't a call to try harder. Mm. So we need, we need to have a key, don't we? Mm. We need to understand what is the key to this? Where is the grace mm. moment uh, in what? John is writing, and it's right there. Whoever claims to live in him. Some translations use the word abide, mm. which is helpful because actually John is writing again from his gospel. This is a pithier version of what he wrote in his gospel, and we're going to look at that. But translators, I often get upset with translators because I think the words they use are rubbish sometimes. <laughs> But just to say, translators have a really tough job because sometimes there's a word in the Greek that we don't have an English word for. So they're grappling. Rather than writing 30 words, they write one word. They've got to find a word. 
And the NIV is quite unique in using the word live in. Everybody else uses the word abide. But actually, it's really helpful. Because to abide in Christ speaks of something of rest. When I abide at home, I've got my feet up, it's restful. But to live in Christ speaks of something that's active. Mm. I'm living, I'm alive. Mm. And, and, and it's the same in our Christian life. There are things that we just rest into. We rest into the reality of the forgiveness of God. When I come to Jesus and get born again, I receive this grace of forgiveness into mm. my life, which is amazing. So my past doesn't dictate my future. It doesn't drive my future. Something else I receive when I, when I rest in Christ, when I get, get, uh, come, come to know Jesus, is I rest in this, is that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, which is marvelous, isn't it? It's, these are things that we rest in and are assured. But, you know, there are other things that God has made my responsibility um, well, let's just 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 look at that because I see we've gone, we've moved on a little bit. Um, so let us just talk about what uh, Jesus said, which John is referring to. Jesus said this: "I am the vine, and you are the branches." Very clear delineation, very helpful. Here's the vine, we're the branches. Whoever lives or abides in me, and I in them, it is they that bear much fruit. And the fruit that we are bearing is Christ-likeness. Isn't that amazing? So we've got these, these two things. There's certain things that are absolutely assured. And one of them is this, is our connection to Jesus. Mm. When we become a Christian, we get connected to Christ. You can never be unsunned or undaughtered mm. in Jesus. That connection is assured. And the life of Jesus flows into us, which is marvellous. And that is assured too. But what isn't assured is what happens to the Holy Spirit and the life of Jesus that flows into us. We're assured that it's coming in. What happens when it gets there? It's interesting. Now, this beautiful picture up on here, Sharmi and I were away just a couple of weeks ago and we went to this beautiful island called Madeira. And Madeira is nice extraordinary because it's volcanic, but you would never guess it because it's as green and as verdant as England. In fact, it looks a bit like England. And you see these terraces, that's where the farmers farm their land. It's like being in Cambodia. Instead of it being rice, it's potatoes and bananas, believe it or not. And what they've done in Madeira is from the mountains, they've built all these channels that's called levadas. And the water flows all the way down and flows into these gullies that irrigate the farmer's land. Now, when we were there, I'd noticed how pristine um, the island was. And, uh, but strangely, when we were walking around these gullies, people had left their jumper or their T-shirt or even a pair of shorts. And I thought, this is really strange. Were they doing their washing? And it was just washing down by mistake <laughs> down these streams. But one of the days we were out with a, a tour guide and she made comment to the fact that they only get water for a certain time of the day. You buy your hour. And so you have these slots. As you can see here, there's a stone with, with some cloth on. And they bung it up 
and then take the cloth out to allow the water to flow into their particular part of their land, and it produces fruit. And I thought, that's what the vine and the branches is about. The life of Jesus is flowing all the time, but I have to unbung my bit and get that into where it needs to get in my life. So let me give you a really practical example of what this looks like. So about three weeks ago, I was on the telephone to someone, and um, they said something about Sharmini, which wasn't appropriate. And as Sharmini was sitting next to me, she heard what this person said. <laughs> so a bit later on, Sharmini came to me and said, you just need to know that that hasn't sat well with me. And I think I need to lovingly challenge that person. And I said, I think that's absolutely right. I think, you know, Sharmi did the right thing. She said, I'm going to sleep on it and pray about it. And the next day she came to me and said, no, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And I felt, yeah, that's really the right thing to do. And I knew it would be the next day. That's when she was going to do it. She told me where she was going to do it. And it was great. Now, I've been on a journey to be like Jesus in one area of my life. Jesus was completely unthreatenable. He could never be threatened. But I know in my life there's times I feel threatened. And therefore I duck certain things like conflict. I don't do conflict very well. I like to avoid conflict. In fact, I like to smooth everything out <laughs> that there's no conflict. And suddenly I felt uncomfortable. I felt threatened. Though this was nothing to do with me. This was between Shami and someone else. And it was right. I was beginning to feel this hmm, threatened thing. So I prayed this very critical prayer that I pray a lot. Holy Spirit, why am I feeling threatened? Now, what I was doing was unbunging my Levada slot and saying, Holy Spirit, flow into here. Show me why am I feeling threatened right now? And I waited and there was silence which often happens. <laughs> so I got on with the day and was busy in the day. And then I just had to have a moment sitting down, not thinking about this. And then these thoughts started to come into my mind. So, Mark, when were you God last? What, what do you mean, Father? Well, what you're trying to do is smooth over a conflict that I'm very happy with. But you're God, you don't like conflict, you, you're full of love. Oh no, I like conflict because it, it enables people to grow. Do you know, Mark, if you smooth this over, which I could do because Sharmini shared it with me and I could have gone back to her and said, love, I don't think that's quite right. And I think, you know, do you need to check your own attitude and all that kind of <laughs> Yes, that would have smoothed things over. <laughs> But oh, that's interesting. What a valuable comment that is. Do you realize some of our attempts to smooth things over create more pain yeah. and more volcanic eruptions than we have? Anyway, Shami doesn't have any volcanic eruptions. Well, not in the three and a half years we've been married. But anyway, it's just interesting. So this conversation goes on, and then Jesus used the C word, which is such a red rag to me. He said, Mark, you're trying to control what I want 
to be used for. Do you know, I just said, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry about that. I do want to be unfit. I learned something so valuable that I must step back and allow sometimes conflicts to happen because Father God said to me, do you not trust this, that I work all things together for good? So even if that did splash on you, Mark, it's going to be for your good too. And such joy. I can't tell you the joy that came into me. Anyway, Charmy did what she did. And just to end the story, just to say, actually, it was really good for the person to receive it because they were using humor as a way to make a little point, which wasn't godly. And, and be careful. If you're a person who uses humor, don't, don't be a coward and use humor. Just say it as it is. Or in this case, don't say it because it was an ungodly thing to say. The relationship was wonderfully secure and restored and everything. But that's how we let the life of Christ uh, into us. That would be that. I find that fascinating because I think so many of us in that circumstance will go, well, what's the right thing to do? I want to obey you, Jesus. Just tell me what to do and then I'll do it. And and the, the difference of saying, I want to be like you, God, fill me with your love and your wisdom and show me where... I am where you're not flowing in my life that you flow out of me. It's such a different approach to the idea of, of obedience that I just love. Yeah. So, so, so we can all pray that prayer. So if, if you've reacted wrong to someone, perhaps you got angry when you shouldn't have done, then you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for that. And we do that, but we need to ask the next thing. So Holy Spirit... Why did I do that? And we are new creations, but we have to learn how to live from that new created life. Because we've lived this way for so long, we now need to rewrite the neural networks or what it is in our minds and in our hearts to say, no, I don't want to live like that, so show me why. And, that, and it's an amazing journey. And God speaks in all sorts of ways. And, 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 sort of one out of time. Yes, but that's good. Can I say one more? Yes. Can I say one more? So, so at exactly about the same time of this, we were having our daily Bible reading, yeah. and we were very challenged. Were we doing the thing that God had asked us to do? Mm. And we just felt there was something more. And we prayed about it, and Shami said, I really sense Father God saying, it's in plain sight, mm. but you can't see it. Mm. So we prayed about that, didn't we? Anyway, we're at the airport waiting to go to Madeira, and our plane gets delayed by four hours. It was a four-hour flight, and we were delayed as long as the flight. And we were sitting in this rather nice place that we've got to. But you start to stare around, don't you, when you've been there a little while? <laughs> Keeping the joy of the Lord on. And um, <laughs> there is one thing in life that irritates me more than anything else, and it's things that are wonky. <laughs> So wow. we're, we're sitting here, and directly in my line of sight is a power socket that the person who put in, I, they must have Maliciously. tried so tried so hard to get it wonky. It couldn't <laughs> be more wonky. It just, it, honestly, it was like that. And, of course, this was mildly irritating right. me, so I share it with Charmaine. We're, we're talking about this. Anyway, after about two hours, we're thinking, now, we've done enough I spy and all of that. And remember, Colin and Carolyn had told us about this, this thing online called Wordle, yeah. which is you try and guess a word in five moves. So we download it on our phone, and we're doing Wordle, 
And we got it in five. You'll be pleased to know. We actually nice. got it in five. Nice. nice. And the word was askew. Which is why you got it in five, you know. Askew. <laughs> and suddenly we're looking at each other going, God's speaking to us. Mm. Here I am irritated by this thing being off you. And then the word askew. Mm. And we realized that what Shamid sensed, that it's something in plain sight, but we're not seeing. We're looking at something particular mm. in an askew way. See, that's how this is. We, we just simply say, Holy Spirit, show us what it is, and he does. But it might not be in the Bible. It might be you're listening to a TV program, watching a TV program. It might be something that goes on funny in front of you, like an obscure story. But God speaks to you, and you get the truth, and the truth sets you free. Mm. Isn't that wonderful? So wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not just about conflict. It's about fear. It's about hesitation. Everything. It's everything. everything. What's stopping your joy, what's getting yes. in the way of relationships. And so I think what we, you know, we were just wanting to figure out where, where do we want to, to wrap this up? And I think that's a really important moment. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say? Yeah, before? there is. Do Can it. we go to the next slide? Do it. Just go to the next slide. We've talked about the greatest challenge, being formed to be like Jesus. The greatest key is abiding and living yes. in Christ. The greatest wonder is this. And we say this sometimes so flippantly, and we lose its power. Mm. The greatest wonder is this, that Christ, by the Holy Spirit, lives in you. Mm. That's good. The one who is unthreatenable, the one who does not know fear, the one who is holy, perfectly holy, the one who is all-powerful, the one for whom all things are possible, lives in you. Just breathe that in. Let that oxygen fill your heart right now. Wherever you're at, wherever you're struggling with, no, eternal life lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What, what can stop us? What, what, what can hold me back? I am not enough, Rachel. I mm. really am not enough. Mm. But the one who is more than enough lives in me. Mm. And I just need to learn to open the very caverns of my soul mm. and allow him to blow through with his love, his grace, and his mm. mercy. So that was the last thing mm. I to say. That's wonderful because I think sometimes we enter these dry periods, those periods of blockage, those periods of feeling stressed, and we think, I just need to be better. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> sickened by my sin. I'm sickened by where I've got myself. I've got to get my way out of it. And this sense of going, no, there's something that's blocking that. And Jesus will not only show me, but he will flow into those places that are dry, that need ministry, that need healing, that need love. And he will transform us into who we are called to be because he is committed to live with us. He is already bringing the refreshing of the spirit. And some sermons we feel like are, are this is the moment. We're all going to have this moment with Jesus. And sometimes I feel like there's a truth that is going to bed into us for a while. And so we're going to ask the, the worship team to come to just give us a, a, a time to let this truth seed in. Because I feel like God may be already poking us about some things that may be blocking us. 
But it's okay if you go, I'm, I can't put my finger on anything right now because I think this is a truth that's going to wiggle away in us until we reach a moment that we think, you know what, this is a, this is a time where I need to ask him what is, what is blocking us to invite him to flow into those places, um, to remind us that this isn't about trying but about abiding. Uh, and so I'm just going to ask God to, to yeah, come, come and, yeah, and come to, um, to just speak to our hearts and minds. And then I'm going to hand to Ruth. Um, but there is no should, there's no performance, there's nothing that has to happen in this moment because we get to abide so that we may be like Christ. God, I thank you. Thank you that you know us so well that when we're given freedom, love, and choice, we'll turn it into something we resent and struggle with. And I thank you that you you know us so well that you speak truth repeatedly through scripture, through um, through letters, through your voice that repeatedly calls us to joy and freedom and abiding in you, that you have done all the work and all we need to do is say yes. Holy Spirit, if there are places that we have stuffed rags in to stop your flow coming into us, pray that you would point that out to us now throughout this week. Thank you. Thank Show you. us how to remove anything that blocks yes. the full flow of your spirit Come and on. love into our lives. Come on, Jesus. Thank you. Jesus. I thank you for your faithfulness, God. Yeah. I believe right now, God, just maybe. I just, just, you just might have these little thoughts of, oh, it might be that. Oh, there might be these things. And it's okay to say, that's a big conversation, God, and we'll have it. We'll have it. Mm-hmm. Now or later, mm-hmm. God is a faithful God who will walk alongside of us. Thank you, Jesus. But we thank you that you live in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Mark, what do you want to pray over us? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just hear Father saying, you are perfected in my love. It's not something you're going to grow into. The day you came to me, the day you said yes to me, you were perfected in my love. And there is no fear in love. And he just wants to say that As you come, as you come, even when you say, I'm not sure that bung can be pulled out. It's all right. There is nothing, as Rachel has said, nothing he does not know about us. And his love is unaltered. His love for you and me is unaltered. Whether our performance is good or performance is rubbish, And even this morning, even if you say, well, I'm not even sure I believe in God and I actually don't believe he exists. I want you to know this. He loves you. He's not affected. His love is not removed, reduced. You are, if you love Jesus, you are perfected in his love. So come. Come. Oh, Jesus. He is the light bringer. More. Thank you, Jesus.